Sally Edwards, who's an outreach worker for Blue-Eyed Soul. Is that right? That's right. Hello. Excellent. So, so tell tell me about Blue-Eyed Soul. Just what what do you do? Okay. So, Blue-Eyed Soul Dance Company. We're based in Shrewsbury, not far down down the motorway, and uh, we've been together since uh, the summer of 1994. And th there's actually a lot of uh, different strands to our work. We, we're a performance-based company uh, and we're actually currently on tour. So we produce work and take them out to theatres to perform for audiences. And uh, we also have quite an extensive education package. So we do lots of teaching in schools and colleges, in uh, community settings... Uh, and deliver lots of workshops and we work with people of all ages and we also do professional training for other sort of education uh, organisations and dance organisations as well so we pass on our our own knowledge and, and findings of over the years that we've been together developing as a company onto other professionals that may be at the beginning of their career. And how long has uh, Blue-Eyed Soul been in existence? We actually got together in the summer of 1994. And who's we? Uh, well, the company was founded as a result of um, a five-day residential course that was happening in Shropshire. Uh, there was a visiting company from London called Canduco. Uh, and I they, know them, I've seen them. Yes, and uh, they're quite well known. They came to the Shropshire area and were looking for participants to take part in a five-day residency, which involved a performance at the end, a public performance at the local theatre in Shrewsbury, the music hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was put together by um, a lady by the name of Rachel Freeman, who was uh, the coordinator of Shropshire Dance mm -hmm. at the time. And um, I was one of those lucky ones to be Im invited to take part in that. At the very first one? At the very first one, right from right from the very beginning. So Excellent. we were together for four, day four days and uh, produced a performance at the end of it. And um, the buzz was so incredible as a result of that, that over the years we've, we've developed to where we are today. And so you've got a show coming to Wolverhampton? We have, yes, we have. Tell uh, us about the history of that show and, and how it's evolved. OK, well, the show consists of three separate dance pieces put together in, in one programme. There, there is uh, a mainstream dance piece, if you like, uh, which is just, just uses the theatre space, the theatre floor, and there are two aerial dance pieces as well. Uh, that might take a little bit of explaining. Basically, the dancers are suspended through ropes and harnesses to a metal um, rigging device, mm -hmm. which is a freestanding rigging device, which mm -hmm. is set on the stage. And so the dancers is this like sometimes you see at fairs and the seaside? They've got this rigging where people can jump up and down. It's it's they're they're on bungees basically those, but these are proper proper um, weight substantial um, ropes mm -hmm. um, and the, the rigging system it allows the dancers to move around and control their movements control their movements and it's more. about that control that makes yeah. it yeah and it's fairly I mean it can be really high high level um, but we, we tend to use sort of fairly low to mid-range sort of height and it combines skills with actually being in the air using um, but also using skills of dancers being on the floor as well and, and working from the dance. And how many people floor. are involved in these performances? If there's there's three, yes. There's three performances. Yeah, there's a, there's a duet, which mm -hmm. is an aerial piece. And that's a male and female, or that's a male and female. And what's the kind of uh, disabled person to non-disabled? Is that one of each? That's one of each. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, 
and then there's uh, there's a trio which is a trio called Hooked. Now that that's not that's one of the um, that's the the only piece that's n- and not an aerial piece. That's a piece called Hooked, and that consists of uh, three women. Mm-hmm. And that piece was uh, choreographed by um, a choreographer called Liam Steele mm-hmm. from a company, Stan Won't Dance. We ha- uh, have a history of working with Liam. We worked with him. And uh, where's he based? He's based in London. And he used to be involved with a company called DV8 that are quite a well-known company. Uh, they must be well-known because I've heard of them. Yes. <laughs> um, and he worked with us uh, a couple of years ago. Um, on a perfor- another performance piece that we worked on uh, and toured around the country called Frankenstein. And that was incredibly successful. So when we were thinking about ideas for a new piece to, to tour this year, we uh, approached Liam to be a possible choreographer on, on one of the pieces and, and he said yes. So mm-hmm. we're delighted to be working with him again. Excellent. And um, the, other, the uh, two aerial pieces are made by um, an American choreographer who's actually based in Europe um, gentleman by the name of Jess Curtis uh, we have had a history of, of working with him over a number of years we have usually have a, an aerial summer school based in Shropshire where we people can come along and have a week's training course with the aerial work that we do and the last couple of years he's been the person that's been heading that he's been teaching on that and he made um, a piece with us um, for the community-based project that we did in 1995, based in Shrewsbury. And um, that was very successful. And that was very successful. So we invited, when we were going to make this tour, uh, we wanted to rework that and, and make some new work. So we asked him to, to come back for that. Excellent. Well, we've got uh, Sally Edwards with us of Blue-Eyed Soul Dance Company. And she's been telling us about them. So let's have some more uh, information from her. So uh, who funds you? Uh, well, we are funded by the, um, the Arts Council. Mm-hmm. and uh, various other funding organisations and chari- charitable organisations. And do you have your own building studio in Shrewsbury? We, we are housed, we have an office base in one of the local um, pri- private finance initiative buildings. There's a, a load of new buildings being put up in the area and uh, that houses lots of other organisations. County, it's run by the county council. And you're secure in that, that building? It's yes. yours and it's... Yeah, we have, a, we have long-term... Uh, a rental agreement with them and there is actually a community hall um, in the building that gets used by other people in the building and, and people in the local community that uh, wherever possible we always try and use that space wherever we can for for our teaching our workshops and any rehearsals or anything that we that we that we need so we try we have a, as equal share in that as anybody else really it's a, it's a question of when we know we've got something coming up in advance we try and book that space Excellent. And I, I was reading on your website, which is www.blueeyedsouldance.com. Yep. Is that right? That's it. Nice plug there for you. So that's www.blueeyedsouldance, all as one word, dot com. And you can find out most of the information there, including stuff about the tours, but we'll talk about that in a minute. I was reading on that that you've done some work with uh, Bill Shannon. Yes. Tell us about Bill Shannon. Bill Shannon was a very, very colourful performance artist he's uh, american yes he's american uh he comes primarily from a hip-hop breakdancing kind of background he's disabled himself he mm. uses crutches mm-hmm. and he has a whole crew of people that he works with and choreographs for that they're doing major performances and uh, he was over here uh, about this time last year actually doing a, a tour and um and we were assisting him with, with that tour and delivering workshops and uh 
myself and my colleague Rachel Liggett were fortunate enough to, sp to spend four days with him and uh, he choreographed a, a short duet on the two of us, uh, which wasn't hip hop at all. Uh, it, <laughs> it was quite, it was quite funny. We had some promotional DVDs from him a week or so before we were going to work with him, and mm -hmm. we looked at the type of work that he did. And so you didn't know that much about him prior. No, I personally <laughs> didn't, and uh, I just uh, saw all this hip hop stuff coming out from the screen, and I thought, hmm, having never done any hip hop myself and being a wheelchair user, how am I going to get around this? So I, I spent the entire weekend watching all the American hip hop dance videos I could think of. Um, to then go and work with him in the studio and find out that we just did a contemporary piece and it wasn't hip-hop at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'd say that for our listeners, if you want to experience him, I think if you write Bill Shannon in YouTube, there's a couple of Bill Shannon pieces on YouTube and they're, they're worth looking at. And they're, they're often street-based, aren't they? He yeah. does a lot of street work. He's a very wacky guy. He uses skateboards and his crutches and he's, he's a really wacky pretty full-on colourful character but he's actually a really nice guy as well and, and you enjoyed working with him had a brilliant time yeah and have you and where do you tour we tour nationally and internationally i and mean where have you been internationally uh we've been to washington dc excellent and uh we did one of the performances that are in involved in this tour at the moment we performed at a, a disability arts festival in hong kong mm -hmm. at the end of last year mm -hmm. and um the work's actually going back out to that area as well. They're going back to Taiwan. Fantastic. Coming up. And uh, we've had a couple of performances in Geneva, in Switzerland, around about this time. Last year, I was performing in a big disability arts festival in Geneva. And that was a, a year-long um, project there that we spent devising, e either in this country or going over to Geneva for the summer and actually making the work. And then, um, like I say, we performed that last year. And um, a couple of the other dancers have been fortunate to be involved in a performance in Brussels. So um, so what would you say is, is the main difference between, say, you and Kanduko? Or do you do, you do this kind of similar kind of work? Um, You're inspired by them, having started sort of almost through them, but you've, uh, what, yeah. you've taken it in your own ways. We, we, we're, sort of, we're sort of the same, but we're not. It's, um, you know, we, we don't... We're not heavily influenced on being incredibly proficient technical dancers mm -hmm. if you like mm -hmm. um, and we certainly don't perform generally speaking in the same kind of high profile venues um, as Kanduka we, we don't tour sort of they, they're touring every year for sort of nine ten months of the year well um, I presume that's largely about money because yeah. they are very well funded aren't yeah they? Um, but obviously a lot of the the basic work and the sort of the ethos behind the work that we do and how we break down those barriers of of the physical element of actually working with with individuals is is very much based on on their work but it's also it's developed with with the company over the years as well so we had a starting point of of using the sort of the, the can do co model if you like but over the year our experiences and working with other people and coming into contact with other professionals we've sort of developed our own method if you like which is similar to Kanduko but like I say it's it's similar but different <laughs> excellent you're doing something called all aboard in July tell us about that yes well blue-eyed soul have been involved with the consultation group of um, an inclusive arts youth festival which is happening at uh, New Hampton Arts Centre in on the 14th of July uh, we've been coming along to consultation meetings for a number of months and organizing it um, and we're, the company Blue-Eyed Soul are actually going to be 
working with um, young people from local schools to Wolverhampton, both mainstream schools and special schools, putting a, a group of people together from those schools collectively and uh, creating a, a dance piece, choreographing a dance piece with them. And what, what date's that? The actual performance um, festival date is the 14th of July, and that's here at Newhampton. You can get information about that from here, from the Newhampton Arts Centre. And that's open to uh, mainstream schools and and mainstream members of the public? Yeah, that's right. disabled members of the public? That's right, but it's it's aimed at young people. Right, so if anybody out there wants to become involved in that, uh, I think just uh, look up the uh, Newhampton Arts Centre website, and I think you'll find there's, uh, there's details on that. So, so tell us about the new project that's got the three pieces in that we were talking about earlier called uh, Don't Push Me. Tell us about the title to start with. Um, well, the title was thrown around and, and discussed o- over a, a number of days uh, with members of the company. And I think that the idea came from, um, from our artistic director, Rachel Freeman. Um, w- and it came on the back of thinking about the title for the previous piece that we did in Shrewsbury, the community-based piece, Touch, um, about touch being something that maybe that you, is something that you accept is in a positive way. And mm-hmm. we've sort of maybe looked at like the negatives of like, don't push me. Um, it's And it sort of it can encapsulates that idea of, of contact. Uh, and it can, you know, it can, it can mean don't push me physically. It can mean from a uh, an emotional point of view. Well, g- given that we're both in wheelchairs, to me, it, it's usually a sign of independence and yeah, and that yeah. for for a wheelchair it, user. Yeah, I think um, I think it it's for the audience really to make up their own mind as to what what it means for them. I and mean, when, when they see the work, to apply to what they're seeing and to how they feel in yeah, response to it. Yeah, so I, mean, I think it's a very good title, and I think it, it opens those ideas for people to explore in yeah. their own head which i think is very good i mean i don't think it's it's supposed to mean anything specific you know it was it, it was a catchy title uh you know mm-hmm. we felt that people would like touch people would be interested in it um but it also brings up the whole content of the work sort mm. of themes of, of contact and touch and you know which is what dance does so, so so tell me when and where is don't push me obviously Tell me everywhere, and then let's focus where in Wolverhampton at the end. Okay, I've got a, a huge list here in front of me. Uh, well, last night we had a really good uh, performance in uh, Theatre Brickleyog in Brecon in Wales, which went down really well. Nineteenth of April, we're at the Artrix uh, in Bromsgrove, and uh, we're at the Shrewsbury Music Hall on the tenth of May, and we're at Wolverhampton at the arena on the 9th of May. And uh, where are we in Birmingham? I'm um, just trying to... And ha- how many dates do you normally do on a tour? Do you do quite a few normally? Um, we normally try and do um, between sort of 15, 15 to 20, as many as we can get, whatever's whatever's feasible, really. And, and you said you were in... Uh where were you last night? Wales. We were in Wales, yes. So, and tell me how that. How did that go? What was the kind of audience response? Very good response. Mm-hmm. Very good response. Uh, good age range, young, younger people. Um, really liked the energy of it all, and uh, their parents came along, and. Um, and that's in an art centre, was it? That was at um, in a theatre, in local theatre, and again, you know, adults, older people, people that um, go to dance all the time came to see it, and we, yeah, we, we had a really good response. It was very well received. 
So, so tell us, have you got any other dates there that you've come across? I'm just frantically trying to look, look down at the list. Birmingham, ba- Birmingham Mac. I'm trying not to look at the list. Uh, we're look at, at the list. You're allowed <laughs> to look at the list. We're not on television. No Fair enough. See you reading it. We're at Birmingham Mac on the 19th of May. Um, I'll go through it again. Um, we're at the Arena Theatre, Wolverhampton, on the 9th of May. Shrewsbury Music Hall on the 10th. Um, the Artrix, Bromsgrove, on the 19th. Uh, we go to London. We go to the Croydon Clock Tower on the 27th of April. We're at Arlington Arts Centre in Newbury on the 3rd of May. We're at the Albany Theatre in London on the 15th of May. Um, we're in Cambridge at the Junction Theatre on the 24th of May. And the date, the big date, um, is the avant-garde theatre in Taiwan between the 28th and 30th of May. And we go to Jersey as well on the 7th of June. And um, Hextable Dance Theatre um, on the 9th of June. And we actually finish the performance, the actual tour, at the Streets Alive Festival in Ludlow, back in Shropshire, on the 23rd of June. So tell me about uh, Taiwan. That sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, well, I think that contact came as a result of the company going out to do uh, one of the aerial pieces in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I'm was i not involved in that myself, but the artistic director was, was involved. Mm-hmm. And um, th- the festival out there involved uh, a big international audience, and there's lots of international arts and dance organisations out there. It was a, it was a conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were approached by one of the organisers that saw our work in Hong Kong, who was connected to their sort of sister organisation in Taiwan, and um, email conversations began to happen afterwards, and uh, we've Excellent. now got the date. So. And have, have you performed abroad? Yes, I have. Um, this uh, time. Well, the, the key question is, how, how, how do you feel audiences respond abroad to say here? Well, I think today, as, as, as it stands now, there, there's more profile now about inclusive dance, which is what we are, um, than there certainly was when, than when we began in 1994. Um, it's very big in the States. Um, and I think it's it's very well received. There are some areas um, that I've been to that they're still very new, developing. There's, mm-hmm. um, for example, um, Switzerland. We did a we did a, a project. Well, we've done a couple of projects with them over the last couple of years as an organisation called Dance Habil in Switzerland, and they have a, a biannual festival, and um, had a really good experience of being able to pass on lots of knowledge and. And uh, I've been very surprised. I've mainly been to Europe, and and it's quite bizarre to realise that Britain is so advanced compared to to many mainland European places, including, say, France and Spain, which uh, some experiences, they're almost in medieval times to to some extent. Their their inability to see you as a a valid human being is quite astounding. Yeah. I think one of the biggest shocks I had um, was when we did the festival in in Washington in America just how just generally as a nation certainly in that city just how wonderfully accessible the city was for wheelchair users absolutely well i know generally. people i know people who go on holiday in america to feel free exactly which yeah. you know and i feel to a certain degree we're here in britain we're behind the times when you look at situations like that mm. 
in yeah. terms of what they have and their ethos. It is quite, because I've personally never been to America, but it is quite interesting to hear people talk about it yeah. in glowing terms. In Canada as well, yes. uh, the whole kind of North American culture. But, but then, you know, and I sometimes feel here we're, we're, so, we're so far behind them, but then you go to places... And, quite simply like like France and Spain and Finland or whatever and you think oh goodness me we're sort of light years ahead ahead of them that's right and it's just amazing mm, a lot of it is about attitude as well because not forgetting that um until very recent years and there was such, such a stigma in countries all over the world about disabled people being in public full stop mm. you know I remember as a young child going to holiday destinations and questioning people in the streets and on, on uh, in the shopping centres saying, you know, why don't I see any disabled people in the streets? You mm. know, and it's, you know, it's mm. people were saying, oh, it's because they're locked away, they're institutionalised. Although I must admit, I do find it reassuring that we, we ourselves have our own medieval moments. I was in Boots, it was probably last year, and some a little old lady came up to me and touched me on the head and said, the Lord forgives your father for what he did. And, what? <laughs> and it's, it's kind of like he, his sins were so bad that that's what caused my disability. It's kind of, what? <laughs> I think that's oh. one of the things that I personally really enjoy about what I do and being involved with Blue Eyed Soul because not only do I get the chance to perform on a stage, uh, teach um, some wonderful people in workshops, but you, when you're talking to people as well after they've seen you perform or they've been involved in a workshop, you get to actually get that inclusive that inclusive message and that um that positive message about dis disability and people with, with that are disabled across to people and it changes attitudes not just by seeing the work but meeting us as well and really appreciating that you know we are human beings just like anybody else and you know we have a right and we have the ability to be on stage just like anyone else or have jobs have their own home and and i think it's even though it's not a deliberate thing that the company does, I think that positive image of disabled people is something that we carry with us. I, I think that's interesting because I think it, it, I, I don't like the idea of positive image because to me, positive image often means normalised, and I think that that that's the very thing that oppresses us. And I think uh, I think I think in a way you're better than that, yeah. <laughs> in the sense that I think it's it's very hard to underestimate. You know, I'm quite critical of a lot of groups in various ways and, and whatever, and I've probably been very hard on Blue-Eyed Soul in the past, but I think it's what we've got to remember is I think some disabled people seeing you and your group is a life-changing experience for them in Definitely. a way that's unimaginable for most ordinary people to imagine, isn't it? Uh, and I can totally relate to that because being uh, a disabled person... 12, 13 years ago and being invited to this workshop never ever even considered being able to be on stage and perform and dance. Going into this workshop um, that Rachel Freeman, our artistic director, had arranged with Kanduko, it, it did literally change my life. It changed my whole attitude towards myself as a disabled person about what I want. It gave me hope, it gave me ambition and it really made me want to be a part of that world. Mm-hmm. And, and and has it delivered on that? That hope that it raised for you, that expectation, that, has it delivered that for you? Yeah, I get up every morning and I look forward to going to work because I know that the buzz that I got on that first day when I, when I started working on that residency, I can deliver that. I can give that to a school, to a child in a school. Uh, and, you know, people have come up to me and said that, that that's actually happened for them as well. So I know 
that it's not just me that feels it, that the nature of the work, I believe, really does change people's lives for the better. Sally Edwards of Blue-Eyed Soul Dance Company here. So, Sally, tell us tell us about your heroes. Oh, heroes uh, in the dance world or generally, because I've got lots. <laughs> well, tell us about the dance world ones first. OK. Uh, well, I, sp- I suppose my biggest hero... Um, has to be, and I know this is probably going to sound really sappy, but uh, it probably has to be uh, Rachel Freeman, my artistic director. Because you were she, right; it sounds really sappy. Yeah, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, you know, she met me on that first day of the residency, and she's nurtured my creativity. And she she believed in me. She saw something in me, mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't see, but with through her believing in me, I began to believe in myself. So she's been a, a mentor to you, really. As Definitely. Well. Definitely. It's nice to have a life mentor, I tell you. I've Definitely. had one and it, it really um, makes a difference. You know, there's lots of other interests that I have, um, sort of in the music world and things like that. What I'm about in, in disabled dancers? <sighs> um, no sighs, don't sigh, just tell us. I think uh, David Toole, who started his career in Kanduko. Uh, he's a dancer that has no legs. He's quite quite famous. I, I think he's incredible. I think David Tool is, is exceptional, but it, it, it comes back to, again, the problem uh, with audiences, and I think it's about intent. So often I worry that uh, often what, what disabled groups do, and including the work I do, that the audience don't necessarily see it how we mean it. So, for example, I went to see Kanduka once, and David Tool was in it, and they were fantastic. And then came out at the end, and most of the audience, all they could say was, God, isn't he brave? And I thought, well, you've, you've missed the point there. Mm, you know, but Don't it, like the B word. Uh, but don't it was, like the brave word. But it was word. down to their <laughs> ignorance rather than yeah. anything else. And But that's a terrible uh, problem that I think we face in whatever we do, that, that notion of misinterpretation. Yeah, he, he, has, he has to go through a great deal of physical training and put, has to put himself through a lot of physical exertion to get into shape, the shape that he is, to be able to do what he does. Mm. Uh, and that takes a lot of commitment, a lot of de- dedication and determination. And, and though it's those attributes in that particular individual that I really admire. I agree. But so it's, it's one of the ways you get over that kind of ignorance of audiences saying that is through the extensive outreach work that you do and the education and training that you do. Is that one of the ways of countering that? Yeah, I think the very the very fact that when we go into a school, uh, maybe a new school that we haven't worked in before, and uh, we we sort of arrive and we come into the space and and they see me, mm-hmm. they think, ah, oh, disabled person, and that's gonna that person's gonna teach me. How's that gonna be? Mm. And you know, you can see eyebrows raised and puzzled faces, and to a certain degree, people sometimes are a little bit even reluctant to speak to me or want to work with me on a one-to-one level but once they do once they've had that experience and they realize that I'm just a normal person just like anybody else I could I could be their English teacher you know just because they don't know me doesn't mean to say that I'm not equipped Mm. to be able to teach what I'm going to teach them and but but aren't you aren't you you putting yourself down there really because because aren't you you're extraordinary and I don't mean that in because I because I think I think I'm extraordinary Considering the world we live in, the the disabling barriers that we face, oh, I am extraordinary, you're extraordinary. And I think considering how dull most ordinary people's lives are, we do live extraordinary lives and we should be proud of that and, and not, not be afraid to say that. And I don't mean that we're special, 
although I'm special, obviously. Of course. But <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully they'll put me in a home one day for special people. But 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 you get what I mean, and I think it, it's often we we we, we deny how extraordinary we really are. And when I said earlier about, you know, we can change people's lives, often I think we can strike, can change ordinary people's lives as much as disabled people's lives. Well, I, I get as much positive feedback from non-disabled members of our audiences and, and non-disabled members of the workshops that we do that it's had a profound effect on them equally, equally as much. You know, I think it, it, it opens doors, it opens people's minds and it breaks down those barriers and breaks down those fear factors of, of wanting to ask questions and be inquisitive. Mm. Uh, I think as a, as a, as a race, as, as a nation, we're, we're not very good at being forward about finding out things. We're quite a closed sort of society, quite formal, and I think people are, are very reticent to make inquiries and, and ask questions. You know, I always use the analogy of, of if I'm in the street, uh, you know, at a weekend and I'm doing some shopping and there's a little boy that's in the next aisle and he's looking at me and his mum pulls him away, you know, for staring at me, I would much rather the parents say, okay, go, go, go and say hello then and for the for the little child to come and speak to me and, and ask me, what's that thing that you're in, you know, mm. do your legs not work, you know, for me to be able to The worst case scenario questions. is what often is the case, you smack them and say, don't swear, don't stare. Yeah, exactly. Which is ridiculous. And adults tend to be more reluctant to be inquisitive and ask those questions where you, I go into a room full of 12, 13-year-olds in a school and, you know, lunchtime, mm. you know, they're, they're really, really good at being up front and asking me those questions, and that's brilliant because I think that can only be really good. Just being very philosoph philosophical now, that can only be really good for you know the future of, of this country and people's attitudes towards disabled people. Because if you don't find out, you don't see people for who they really are, and just see them on face value. How are you supposed to change attitudes? Mm, I agree. What what time is the show on at the arena in May in Wolverhampton? Yeah, um, most of the other performances that we're doing up and down the country are, are in the evening, so the 7, 7.30 or 8 o'clock, but the Arena Theatre uh, performance on the 9th of May is at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It's a matinee. And is there a particular reason why it's a bit early? Um, because it's hoped that we are a going to be able to generate an audience of uh, younger people, so we're hoping that schools in the area will be able to bring students along. Excellent, excellent. That. But it'll still be open to the public, yes? Oh, yes. That's, I'm glad to hear it. Do you know how much it's going to cost? Uh, I don't, unfortunately, but, uh, but the information you... can be found either on the website or if they ring the venue. Exactly. So that's so tell us again, that's at the Arena Theatre in Wolverhampton on May the... 9th. And at... 1pm. 1pm, excellent. So, so what does the future hold? What's your plans for 2008? Right, well, uh, in 2005, we uh, had a big community participation project in Shrewsbury called Touch, which involved um, about 70 performers um, from very young children, sort of five-year-old up to uh, people in their senior years, uh, working in, in different groups um, and creating a full-length show of sh pieces put together. Um, and that was a really, really good model that, that we found um, of working. And uh, we're actually hoping to have a similar model and do a similar project in the Wolverhampton area in 2008. So we'll be working with um, lots of different schools, colleges and community groups. Young and that's, people, that's another people. Arts Council funded project, isn't yes, it? Yes, it will be. Yeah, And we're hoping to have that. That will hopefully be uh, performed 
um, over two or three, again, two or three different da- nights uh, at the Wolverhampton Arena. And what are, what are your long time, long-term personal ambitions for yourself? To keep going, to keep dancing, keep enjoying it, keep spreading the word of how wonderful dance is. Um, I, I personally also write music and, and do a little bit of singing, so I'm hoping and, to... And have you released anything or I made any released demos? Anything. I've made a couple of very small demos. Oh, send them to me, I'll play them on air. I'm, uh, I'm looking to put a few more together, but I'm that's sure just a very I'm sure the people at would love to hear it. I've, I've, I'm serious, I want you to send me them. Okay, I'll hold so you to I that. So I can play them. I'll hold you to and that. Obviously, this doesn't go to Shrewsbury, but you can hear it online. Okay, and uh, I'm also hoping maybe... I'd at some point, if and when I decide that I'm I'm going to sort of come away myself more from dancing, I want to get into choreography. So I'm I'm in the next year or so. I'm hoping to do a little bit of training through the support of Blue Eyed Soul in um, choreography because I'd like to be one of the the first disabled choreographers out there making professional work. That's a big ambition of mine. And are there any DVDs that people can get hold of of Blue Eyed Soul's work? There aren't any public DVDs that people can purchase, no, but there, I believe, uh, we're just actually having our website redesigned, and I believe that there might be some short film on on some of the websites. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming. Uh, I've thank en- you. I've enjoyed it, and I hope uh, that people will go to the show.